In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. We are all the way up to album 36. This is Dr. (laughs) Dre and The Chronic. All right. So, guys, let's. Uh, I, I actually, instead of a radio today, I don't you know think what? that's legal in Minnesota, man. <laughs> Fuck the radio. We are going to go straight to uh, the TV. Let's turn on the TV. And I just found a great game show that's on. It's called the $64,000 Beck Did It Better Pyramid. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Yeah. Welcome okay. to the $64,000 Beck Did It Better Pyramid. I'm your host. <laughs> Something that's not Rob that I didn't think of beforehand. <laughs> We've got two contestants here. We've got Rob and Matt. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing quite Wait, well. Up. Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Oh, great. I'm glad I picked Matt to improvise with me. This is going to be great. I can't hardly wait. And, all right. Are you ready, Matt, for the $64,000 Beck Did It Better Pyramid? Yes. All right. Love that energy. That's great. All right. Here we go. And begin. What he ate. Some fucked up things in his house. Motown drummer um, Shorty um, Long. Um, um, things that guy who laughs funny. Uh, Aaron, the things that Aaron uh, brings up on this episode. All yeah. right, nice job. All right, 18536. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, how many times Rob says, all right, when he doesn't know what to say? Nice job. All right. Ah. Uh, five sentences. Uh, 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 not much. Uh, not at all. When we're actually talking about the album, how much Matt will talk on this episode? <laughs> all right. You didn't want to go over the limit there. Uh, oh yeah. Hey guys. Uh, I like the show, but uh, I noticed Russell said some things, and he's wrong about this. Uh, what do people say when they call the backline? All right. Nice job. <laughs> yes. yes. Wow. Sounds cool, man. Oh wow! Everyone has one these days. Yeah, I'll be sure to tell. I'll be sure to listen. Hey, can I tell you about a podcast I like? Oh, oh! What are things people say when you talk to them about the podcast? Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! When you want to hear about winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, yeah. But you're just too lazy to look it up online. I noticed that was five sentences. If you want to hear guys chat and then they get off track. I like that bit. We should just do that bit every time. It's a good I've one. got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. All right, everybody. Welcome to the weed-smoking Davenport of love here oh. on our special 420 episode. 420. We were supposed to do Michael Jackson off the wall, but we realized almost immediately Six, afterwards that this was coming out. Love. On 420, my dumb shit co-host finally realized that, oh, we, we should pay attention to the date that things come out. And The Chronic was next, so we decided to skip ahead to Dr. Dre and The Chronic. So here yes. we have three guys who are watching their calories, so they don't want to eat a big fat dick. Hey, do you have any of that diet dick or possibly that impossible meat dick? Uh, I got Matt in Minneapolis. Matt, how are you doing? Excellent, Rob. Thanks for having me as always. Glad to be here. I got Russell in Minnesota. Russell, how are you doing? Hey, Rob, put down that candy and let the little boy go. You know what I'm saying? Podcasting motherfucker. (laughs) 
I am literally scared of all of this. I'm scared of the album. I'm scared of you guys. This all scares me. And I've got the person who literally is closest to the Compton swap meet, Rosie, out in California. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm, I hope I'm not stranded on Beck did it better row, but I'm doing pretty good. Rosie, is that some ligma in the background? L- ligma? ligma nuts. <laughs> all right. First up, we've got right away, right off the bat, guys. Let's go, and we're going to play our second favorite, our second game show of the night. This is unbelievable. I can't believe this is happening. We're I'm so excited. Turn the TV back on. And turn I, the TV back. Let's on. turn it back on. And oh, guys, look what's on. It's our favorite game show. We want to hear about the crazy things that Aaron say. How he doesn't use okay. the dryer. He don't use his microwave. We want to figure out what this Aaron guy's about. So we're gonna play our favorite game, Aaron or Air Out. <laughs> yes. You know no, Rob. It. You know yes. Rob just made that song so he could drop a little more bass in that voice, didn't you, Rob? I did. Well, you know what really helps is do you guys see this Bofa thing I have on my microphone? <laughs> Both of these nuts. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's. This is the game where none of us know the answer, possibly even Aaron, to be honest. And we're going to guess basically over-unders about things in Aaron's life, and we're going to see who has the most <laughs> points at the end. So I've got Russell versus Matt versus Rob. Which one of us knows Aaron, and which one of us is air out? So I'm going to be keeping <laughs> score. I have five questions for Aaron. Aaron, do not fuck this up. Don't answer this until I tell you to, Okay. <laughs> The first question is this, and we're gonna we're just gonna start with an easy one. Well, this will be a practice round, okay? Yeah. Round one is a practice round. Did Aaron ever subscribe to the Columbia House record deal where you got one album for a penny and then the rest of them cost a million dollars for the rest of your life and possibly impacted your credit? Uh, I'm gonna say absolutely yes, 100. percent Aaron probably subscribed to that a number of times. Matt, what do you think? Well, for sure, he had a little stamps and he put the little stamp down on the sheet mm-hmm. and he sent it in for sure. Yep. Um, Russell, what do you think? I'll, I'll go against the grade. I'm going to say Aaron wanted to pay more for music and make sure they got their royalties. I bet he did not take the deal. And the correct answer is, Aaron, did you ever deal with the Columbia House, uh, whatever that was, the record club? I did not. I frequently yeah! browsed the catalog and crossed off CDs that I would want, but I never with the, made the full commitment of actually sending in the envelope as Matt referenced. So Are you I did serious? Not. I would have bet. I, I I would have bet ten thousand dollars that you were a member of that. Probably a couple times over, actually. Like Aaron, and then there was like Aaroni, and then there was like yeah. Ms. Aaron. You know what yeah, I mean? Like all the different the catalog. versions. You guys remember that? It was like little tiny thumbnail pictures of CDs, and I used to circle them. Like, oh, I want the Jodeci one, and I want. You know, uh, uh, some other band, you know, uh, Millie Vanilli or whatever. But yeah, I never actually subscribed. How did you make my fun bit boring? In one sentence, you somehow <laughs> made this boring. I'm bored. I came up with this bit. Rob, what, when you get a we question could... wrong and you have chin nuts with the, with nuts by your chin, would you call those chin nuts? I have an issue to take with the jokes, by the way, on this album. I don't think they're very good. I don't think that chin nuts joke is very good. What are oh. chin nuts? That doesn't even make sense. Oh, Rob, you'd have something else in your mouth instead. It well, it's like. not like, I'll tell you what, though. It's not like, you see what I have behind me? This dragon? What? Dragon these nuts on your face. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, here's the next one. Ready? So right now, yeah. Russ has a point. Matt and I have rip. All right. So next one. Does Aaron have natural peanut butter in his house that you have to stir to mix the oil together. Uh, Russell, you're going to go first. What do you think? 
Uh, no, I, I bet they don't have any peanut butter in the house. Oh God, that's a good bet. I didn't even think about that. Oh, Matt, what do you think? Does uh, sun butter count? So like uh, sunflower seeds, does that count as uh, what he has? I'm going to say no. This is just peanut butter. It has to be the I'm natural. I'm going to say no then. He does not have it. He's got something other than peanut butter in oh, his house. You yeah. guys are idiots. The answer is obviously going to be yes. He loves to take that peanut butter and what a pain in the ass to stir it up. You know he's got that peanut butter and you know it's a natural peanut butter. Aaron, lay it on us. What do you got? <laughs> Rob is correct. We go through one to two jars of natural peanut butter. <laughs> Uh, every couple of weeks, and I yes, I was I was throwing a fit yesterday because I was we got some stuff that was different from usual, and I was trying to stir it. And it was way worse to stir, even if you store it upside down. Yeah, so yeah, Rob is correct. <laughs> Can you imagine stirring peanut butter after you use it? That is insane to me. That is like settler times. That is like Little House on the just, Prairie. It's just the first stuff. time. That's all you got to do. Just the first time. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather be single for the rest of my life than have to stir <laughs> peanut butter on a regular basis. I'm happy with my life. It's really delicious. It's just peanuts and salt. It's no, so, you're wrong, so Aaron. All right. It's so so next up, question number three. Over under, does Aaron own 5.5 ties? And we're talking long ties. Bow ties do not count. 5.5 ties. Uh, Matt and then me and then Russell. Under. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say over. Russell, what do you think? I think he's got to have over Aaron can be a well-dressed man when he needs to be. And I could see Aaron also being the guy who, who does the kind of half buttoned up shirt with the half down tie for like a, a dress up occasion. He's got more than five and a half easily. All right, Aaron, how many ties do you have? I would say around eight. Russell is yeah. Russell and Rob are correct. Yeah. Right around eight. Count it. Oh, wait a minute. All right. Yeah. You love that sound. It makes it feel official when you do it. I mean, I've, I've been in four weddings in the last 10 years. So I've got one from each of those. Probably. If you were going to make a game show on the show and you realize it's going to be too long and boring, would you do over three questions? And the answer is yes. You <laughs> yes. Would yes. Five, which is too many questions. Over, over. All right. Second to last question. Penultimate question. Does Aaron own a paddle of any kind? And I'm going to count a ping pong paddle. I'm going to count a sex paddle. I am going to count a canoe paddle. Okay. What do you think? Does Aaron own a paddle of any kind? I'm going to say yes. I, he has to own a paddle. What do you think? Matt, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. It feels like there's got to be some sort of kitchen utensil with all of his cooking that he does that's considered a paddle. So I'm going to go yes. That is a fucking insane answer. What you, kitchen utensil is considered a paddle? <laughs> I mean, anything's a paddle like if you use a, it the right way. You know what I'm talking about. But. Yeah, and like a Cuisinart uh, mixer, right? Isn't there a paddle attachment if you're going to make bread so. or something? I think yeah. so. No, that's a dough hook. You're thinking oh, yeah, a yeah, guess you might, or yeah. do, do I get a guess or not? <laughs> yes, Russell. What do you think? I'm going to say Aaron and his lovely bride had an unfortunate incident with a paddle somewhere in their early marriage years, and they got rid of all paddles. No paddles in the house. In all right. Matt and Russ say. That sounds like inside information. Matt and Rob say yes. Russ says no. No, Aaron, Aaron what is told you he wouldn't, let me in the, he wouldn't let me Wait, in the was bedroom. It, I don't know. Was it <laughs> just all That's paddles? True. Just walls and walls of paddles? Is the question in the house or on the premises? I'm going to go with in the house because that's what I said. Uh, no, do not have a paddle in the house. Yeah. I have a paddle in the garage for my stand-up in, paddleboard, but it's not in the house. In that sex tent. I should have guessed a stand-up paddleboard. God damn it. You talked <laughs> about that too, and I wasn't tent. listening. Uh, so, so far, the score <laughs> so right now surprising. is Matt somehow has zero. Matt, you've gotten zero <laughs> correct. That is unbelievable. You're air out. I've got two. Russell has got three. So this is for the tie for Rob. Uh, the final question, okay? And this one is not a yes, no. You have to name it. 
what name one type of bread that Aaron has in the house. You need to name the type of bread that Aaron has in the house. And I will accept uh, homemade or no bread as an answer as well. Okay. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say uh, famous. No, what's that one? What's that Dave's? Oh, I'm just going to say Ezekiel bread. I'm going to say Ezekiel bread. I'm what going is Ezekiel bread? I, well, see, exactly. That's why Aaron has it. You don't it's know what Ezekiel bread grain. is. I'm still yeah, not it's sure. It's something with the Bible. Yeah, it's sprouted grains in it. It's not that great. Yes. Oh, I, oh no, that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? Well, if it doesn't, it doesn't sound that great, then he probably does have it in his house because all he eats <laughs> is boring-ass shit. So, uh, I'm going to go with, he's got, I'm guessing he's got some sort of sourdough kit or something. So he's got some sourdough starter. bread. I'll house. give you credit for wow. a starter. Russell, what kind of bread does Aaron have? I'm gonna. What's that kind of brownish bread with? There might be white on it a little bit. You know, you guys know what I'm talking Is about. Is that a rye? Are you thinking of pumpernickel? a rye? Pumpernickel. I'm gonna go pumpernickel. They've got pumpernickel Ooh, in the house. I'll the say brown bread. Isn't that pumpernickel, Matt? All right, I think so. Aaron, tell us what kind of bread do you have in the house? I'm very sad to announce that Rob actually came the closest when he started to say Dave's killer bread. We always we, we get it's always Dave's killer bread in the in the fridge, and I like maybe we buy like a loaf from the bakery once in a while, but yeah, we do the Dave's killer. That's it. That's when you were on the right track, Rob. All right, so none of us got that right. That's a huge bummer, and the winner is absolutely 100% Russell. Boom! Way to go, Russell. We don't have time for the whole theme song okay i'm sorry we can't but good job russell you know aaron better than anybody else which you should because you guys lived together for like 25 years hey oh, right. for almost 25 I'm, years. I'm not for i'm not from crisscross rob but every time i pull through the drive-thru they call me the big mac daddy <laughs> is that a joke you wrote down you damn right write that joke down that was my backup one if i didn't want to go with the punk motherfucker oh, at the beginning so you did right yeah. Have you guys seen, you know, on my list today, I so now let's do our our not favorite segment. We're just doing it for today. We have picked out our favorite songs about weed to mm. celebrate 420 on this lovely Tuesday. One of my favorite songs is by uh, Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons these nuts on your face. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start. I have picked one of my favorite songs of all time that is about the marijuana is absolutely, when I found about this on the podcast, it blew my mind. The Beatles, got to get you into my life. Everybody thinks it's a love song, but Paul McCartney later admitted it was about the sticky icky. Nice. Okay, guys, feel free to help me out at any time here with the segment. I feel like I'm kind of so for the Beatles. Who is the? Were they all into weed, or didn't did Lennon get into the the harder stuff, or who was the? Yeah, who was the real the driver of, of weed for the Beatles? All of them. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah. The fact that one of them would be like, "Hey, hey, guys, we should go to India and live on a camp," and they're all like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." That sounds like a high idea to me, like big time. Like going a to India, idea. work idea. on our meditation, definitely sounds like a high idea to me. Maybe we should take one of these trips for one of our our hundredth episode or something we could take a a trip to india for recording oh my god that's such a good idea that's a I perfect love, idea i love having mind-bending diarrhea and that sounds like a great trip where i could get some <laughs> of that oh my god just clear out my whole system it'd be great who do you think that out of the four of us would be the first one to get homesick and start whining like john lennon on the trip I'm going to say it's the one of us with no kids. It's going to be Russell. He wants to get Russell. back home. The rest of us will stay in India. I don't want to spend more time with these three guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Russell's like, this actually sucks. And we're like, wait a minute. We're sleeping. We're sleeping till 830 a.m. This is the greatest days of our life. Hey, guys, I booked a flight to Fort Lauderdale tomorrow. I'll see you later. 
All right, Matt, tell me, what was your favorite song about the cannabis? And I'm already running out of nicknames for it. Cannabis Sativa. I chose a Tom Petty song, You Don't Know How It Feels. Um, all right. Oh, it comes nice. off Wildflowers, which is one of my favorite Tom, one of my favorite albums of all time. But, um, it says it right here. Another joint. Yeah. I don't know. That's what when I When you guys heard the song as kids, what did you picture a joint looking like? I swear I didn't know what a joint looked like until I saw Days and Confused. Well, they didn't They didn't play the, that language on the radio, right? Didn't they used to change the lyrics yeah, on the radio? They would, oh, yeah, they, they, they didn't did. say joint. They would kind of... Uh, Let's get yeah. to the point. Something else. It was. It was not. Yeah, I don't know. Joint. I don't know if they just blanked it out or what. But yeah. But no, I had a. I had a. I had a few friends growing up that really liked to smoke weed, and I never did. I never. And then I had a job later in life that I got tested. So even then, like when it was like everybody's doing it, why not? I, it just never, never came to me. So, but I heard a lot of. A lot of weed songs in my life from uh, There's some, good some ones. very good friends. So mine, Tom so. Petty, Last Dance with Mary Jane, that's got to be a weed song, right? Why, why do you Absolutely. pick this one over the other one? Uh, it, the whole album, the whole Wildflowers album, it's very... Um, it's it's a banger. I love that yeah, album. It's and, so good. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get to it some point. I think it's on the list some point. But um, I think it's just, just that album in general, and that's the best song. And then even the video, if you guys can remember the video... Um, it's literally Tom Petty in the middle and they're yep. circling around yep. and they just, they keep changing the scenes, but that never, the video never stops or yep. the, mm. the tape never stops. And so, I mean, just the video was pretty cool in itself. And so I don't know. I, I would also argue that last dance with Mary Jane, I don't actually think is a good song. It's I, I, it's what? Yeah. Well, why I don't do you think, think it's, it's not song? a good song? What are you talking no, about? I it's, it's just not, it's, 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 hmm. it's, it's not his best song. There's so many better Tom Petty songs. But the guitar lick at the beginning, you know, you're not into that. Uh, are you talking about once again? I'll bring it up again. Running down a dream. I think that's what you're thinking of is the <laughs> ultimate guitar lick. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. It's 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 you're wrong about that. Russell just doesn't like it because this one starts off with a harmonica. That's true. It does. It does bring me to that Bob Dylan place in my life where I don't need to go back. (laughs) So he's just trying to find anything to get off of this song. Oh, look! There's some top head right there. (laughs) Speaking of harmonicas, I was screwing around on Cameo. Have you guys ever done a Cameo before, where you can get a celebrity? Tried. Tried looking at all these. I I tried to find Herbie Mann. See if we can get him on (laughs) or a push push. But (laughs) you can get a. A John Popper cameo, and he'll play the harmonica on the cameo for you. It's pretty cool. Does it sound as good serious? as Rob's clip right yeah. there? I want to I have him do one where he says he's a shitty harmonica player because he can't do the chromatic like Stevie Wonder or whatever that would be it is, so right? Good. Yeah, that would be, oh, that'd be unbelievable. Sarah and her friends and, you know, our, our key demographic, 40-year-old housewives in Minnesota, all of them, oh, yeah. uh, one of them. That's half of got, my, uh, that's half of a Google search I do. <laughs> <laughs> one of them got Kato Kalin for one of their friends. Remember oh, no. Kato Kalin? Oh yeah. And it was hilarious. I saw, you know, he did this whole thing and he like made this song for the person's what? birthday. He was great. He did awesome. So yeah, I don't know. Kato Kalin, Guys, I'll, I'll plug him. Should we work. be on cameo as like a foursome? Should we charge like 30 <laughs> bucks for cameo? And see if anybody buys? Hey, listen, we if you want first. us to do a cameo for you, email <laughs> Beck did it better subject cameo because by the way we get approximately 10 emails a day offering us ins- discounted insurance so whoever signed us up for that <laughs> mailing list i really appreciate it but put in the subject cameo and just tell us what to talk about we will make you a cameo video and send it to you uh for an undisclosed price that we'll announce later 
I was looking to get us a cameo for this album, and Daz Dillinger is actually will do cameos, and he is high as fuck when he does these <laughs> things. <laughs> and according to the website, yes. he will turn them around in under under eight hours. So I could have gotten it done, but I didn't think it was worth two hundred bucks. So I decided not oh to do God, it. God, two hundred bucks for a high. D- <laughs> and who is Daz Dillinger yeah. again? I didn't want to ask until he's two hundred bucks. <laughs> Shot this record, Rob. Is that Dr. Dre's real name? Is Daz Dillinger? No, he's another guy on the record. (laughs) Snoop Dogg's real name is Daz Dillinger? I don't know. Snoop Dogg does cameos, but he's no longer available, so he must not have been getting paid enough for him. That would, oh my God. Can you imagine getting his cameo from Snoop Dogg? That would be incredible. I'd show that to my kids. All right. Who I've not been paying attention. Who is next on the (laughs) weed song list? I, you know, I would have, we, we, talked about this a little bit in pre-show as a bay area native i i should take the 500 remix by the loonies but uh the one that's a little bit closer to my heart is illegal smile by john prine it's just such a pretty song he later said that this song was not about weed but uh in the chorus he to escape reality and he says if you see me tonight with an illegal smile it don't cost possibly be, what did he say this was about like stealing cable from your neighbors like what is he talking about it was about you know feeling happy on the inside and not having to express it but you know says please tell the man i didn't kill anyone i'm just trying to have me some fun it all it all sounds like weed to me and in in my brain it is and i love john prine so that was that was mine he just has a, a voice that makes you want to smile right this is fantastic yes. there's a song yeah. i don't know if you guys have ever heard it i i got into fishing songs this summer i was trying to do trivia for my brother's resort and i was trying to find all these fishing songs but he has a song called fish and whistle forget and it will just put a, a permanent you smile on your face rob we'll add that shit to the we'll podcast <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I hear it right now yeah, i hear oh, it right yeah. now oh what a great fish song fish and whistle whistle and it. fish Okay, well, if we're talking fishing song, I'm also going to play Taj Mahal's Fish and Blues. That's going to be in the background off the May the Circle Be Unbroken album. Not fish that we eat. What? What? Are you talking about getting your bangs wet? Huh? I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> we have lost all control. Russ, instead of being dirty like that, why don't you tell us what's your favorite song? <laughs> your bangs wet. About the Mary Jane. I, I, I have to go with Cypress Hill, Hits from the Bong. To me, this is going back to when, you know, the House of Pain was big. I feel like Cypress Hill, I don't know if it's the same guys or there's some crossover, but this song just is badass. This is my favorite weed song. And definitely one of the earlier. Oh, wow. And it samples Dusty Springfield. I never knew that. Yeah. Let's be clear. Those the bubbles are sound effects, okay? Picture, man. And this was in those early days. I mean, we'll talk about this later with the album, but all these songs were like, I mean, I guess Matt was exposed a bit earlier, but, you know, just these were words that we didn't hear in music at all. And I, I didn't know it. So stuff like Hits from the Bong and the Chronic were like early in jokes to me and the correct answer by the way for the best weed song ever and i didn't pick it because i was convinced someone else was going to pick it it's obviously roll another blunt there's afro only man. one choice uh. it's afro man <laughs> because yeah. i got high i'm going to go to 30 seconds because that's where all the songs pick up watch this but, uh, uh, see nailed it <laughs> my, 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 my. 
We listened to this one a lot on Napster back in the in the dorm room. This is a Napster classic, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sure he never got paid enough for his contributions. This and anything by OAR that Jeff from Apple Valley would just hand like his house parties. <laughs> and it was so it was so funny because it was like there were so many guys at our college that would listen to this, and then if you were like, "Hey, do you know where to buy weed?" We'd be like, "I have no, no idea. I don't know how you smoke that. I have no idea." But this song fucking rocks. I was just gonna say, I think Afro Man because I got high is the weed song for people that don't use weed, right? Like the yeah. people that use weed. I like if if someone pulled up, you're like, "Hey, let's go to the park. We're gonna smoke some weed." And they turned Afro Man in their car. You'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You, there's no way. Any of these other songs, if someone played John Prine, you would be down with that. But you, you can't smoke weed to Afro Man, right, Rob? It was funny, though, the guys in college who were really way into weed culture. You know, they like could walk in and they had like a Bob Marley poster and then like a psychedelic poster. With all and the like, blacklight stuff. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, I... I don't think I like it this much. Like, I just want to, I, I want to hang out with normal people. I don't need to watch like, uh, 2001, a space odyssey. Yep. Turn the lights down, turn on 2001, a space odyssey. All right. There we go. What, what do we do next? Oh my God. We haven't even gotten to rolling. Go. Yeah, we got it. We got a time. This is a disaster. All right. So if you're hearing this, I probably cut out everything out. So we're go. roll another joint. All right. This is rolling a joint. Let's get Here we to go. The point. This is rolling a joint going. The special 420 uh, edition. It's, 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 it's time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for. Wait, those are all sound effects going. from the computer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. Man. Matt, rolling going. How's it going with you? Uh, good. I'll try to keep it quick. Um, <laughs> I got a basketball hoop this week. Ooh. Uh, bought it off next door. Did you hang it up? It or been, are you just like putting it in front of the kids and being like, if you do well at school, eventually I'm going to get a net and a ball. And then if you really <laughs> well, do well, I'm it's one of those it things up. that we had, I had a, I had a basketball hoop growing up and my brother and I would play nonstop in the spring. And it's finally spring here in, mm-hmm. in Minnesota. I'm like, I just miss shooting baskets. So went and found one on uh, next door for like 40 bucks and threw it in my little blue truck. And we've played every day since. So beat Sarah and horse today. Nice. She's nice. Very good. Actually, she's what's, really so, good. She's so really Matt, good. what's so, your go-to yep. shot in horse? Um, I like either throwing like, you know, going from some weird angle and saying you got to bank it mm-hmm. or telling somebody they got to shoot left-handed or doing like granny shot, you know, just anything that people can't, uh, can't think to do. You got to be at the age where you got to start breaking out the old man hook shot. Like when you hit 40, I think it's time for the hook shot to come out. Right. It is. Well, yeah, you know, so Eddie, so my, my, my little guy's five. And so the hoops way down and went and bought him like a little ball so he could shoot and stuff. So it's like at like. I don't know, seven and a half, somewhere where I can dunk. Yes. And so Russell, I, I'm just, I just feel like, man, I'm, I'm athletic. I'm unbelievably yeah. athletic because I can dunk on this seven foot hoop. How so. many times in the last week have you swatted the shit out of Eddie and then given him the Dikembe <laughs> Matumbo finger wave? Oh, I haven't given the finger yet. How many yet. times? How many and times? I haven't given, but we, but we, but he'll, he'll want to play. He'll be like, okay, it's uh, me and Leo versus you. I'm like, okay. And so then boom, yeah. just start. And then they start crying and go. So it's so yeah. good. Uh, Joe, Joe from, uh, yeah, Joe from Woodbury taught me that just, no, don't you, you're playing your kids. You play to win. Screw that. Let no them, they got to learn, but I have some really important questions about this hoop. Can I ask some questions about it? You can ask some very important. First questions. of all, is the, is the rim spring loaded? Is there a spring so you can hang on that rim? 
Um, I don't know. It's one of those ones where you're supposed to fill it with water. I've put a bunch of bricks on the back, though, you know, so you can oh, no. move it. Oh, yeah. so it's like a catapult. If you dunk too hard, it's going to catapult so those like, bricks I'm right not even, your house. I, I, yeah, the last thing I need is that thing coming down on the five-year-old who weighs like 40 pounds. That thing would but if you dunked good. it and it did come down shack style, that would be pretty awesome. That would be worth <laughs> forty bucks, awesome. to me, I think. <laughs> and then yep. just leave it laying out in the, in the street yep. for a week. Yeah, you yep. just take the rim inside with you. <laughs> Do you <laughs> want me to shoot it? No. no. Do you want me to pass it? No. no. Do you want me to slam? Yeah. Oh, whatever he says, yes. I was get saying yes. I don't think that's a great answer. I actually think one of the producers on this album produced Shaquille O'Neal on Shaq Diesel, just for the record. Oh, nice. Was True. it the guy we can get a cameo of? Daz Dillinger. <laughs> I think it actually is Daz Dillinger. <laughs> That's what we need is we need Daz Dillinger talking about check. Nah, who cares? All right. That, that, the joke is there. You guys all figured it out. Uh, also, Russell, Matt. Matt. Oh, sorry. Jeez, Rob. It's not my fault that you made four four yeah. games before this thing. <laughs> You're trying to rush through my rolling going. My other question, that? Matt, was... <laughs> Have you? Do you have a, a string net or a chain net like at the park? So when you switch oh, it, it no, hits that chain net. Oh, yeah. It's string. You got to add man, a chain net, man. I'm gonna we're, and I'm gonna need a new one pretty soon because I'm just that thing. Oh just, I'm yes. just ripping that thing. Humble brag. From downtown man. I just nothing but net. That thing's uh, wearing out quick. So I'm gonna need a new one soon. Yep. And 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 every time that you've beat your kids, isn't it true that you have cut down part of the net, and that's why you need to get a new one? Is you're like, okay, kids, get out the ladder, and you go up, yeah. and cut it down, and really. <laughs> okay, put it Adam, in I'm not face. trying to cut you off, but Rob's trying to get move past my rolling going, so I'm trying to just keep. I, I don't want to leave any spaces for Rob to cut me off and go to the next one. So I'm just going to try to keep talking. I can see that he's trying well, to cut me off here, so going, I'm going to keep talking. I also i i watched the Billie Eilish documentary on. On Apple, yeah, recommended by me, and it was, it, and it was, it was very, it was extremely good. So, highly recommend anybody. Who, oh, yeah. um, you know, I don't. I, I would say I didn't come away like, oh, I'm a huge fan now or anything like that. I still don't quite get it, and I think it's old man syndrome that you know it's just a complete different generation, you know. And she's had some, uh, you know, some uh, issues growing up with uh, mental health. You know, I think has led to a lot of stuff, and I think she just. Um, she, her generation, she speaks for him, if you will. I don't know. I don't want to generalize it too much, but she's just, and she's a very good role model for everybody um, in that generation. I think, you know, everybody, nobody should be um, poo-pooing Billie Eilish. She seems like a great person. Her parents seem like great people. Her brother is her producer, you know, all this stuff, great family life, stuff like that. I don't know. I, uh, I am a, I'm a fan of, of her now after watching that um, just as a person and we'll cheer her on for the rest of time. So, but don't you think Billie Eilish kind of has a stigma what? stigma nuts in your no. face? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I will. So me. I got one more thing. Oh my I God. Oh, wow. I'm I'm oh no, that's so funny. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to transition to my own rolling going. Cause I got to say I was on vacation last week, which is why we have such a long record. We have so much stuff to talk about. I came up with so many good ideas on my vacation. Uh, but Matt texted me and said, listen, you have a day left to do your Peloton streak. I had a 41 week streak of working out on my Peloton <laughs> and it was the day before it was about to expire. And Matt is such a bro that he texted me and was like, Hey, you got to do a sleep meditation, some workout to keep this streak going. And I did, and I got to give big ups to matt for that then on my way meditation to keep your streak going yeah that counts as a workout that's why i'm so in shape 
Yeah, I know. I feel uh, you. I get it. Actually, You're a lot stronger than we think. Actually, you are. I listened to a success meditation where for five minutes somebody just told me how wonderful I was, and I was like, "This is what I'm talking about. I want to marry this person. This is great." Uh, then on the plane ride back, I was editing my podcast and I was terrified that our, my, our, Rob, Rob, our podcast, I was just, editing our podcast. There you go. Sorry. You guys keep correcting me. I apologize. <laughs> I was editing our podcast. It's one thing to say to your friends. It's another one. The three of us are sitting right here <laughs> to your actual co-host. Okay. So welcome to the Rob show. Uh, here's the thing is that I was so terrified that my wireless headphones were not going to connect correctly. And I would push play on the plane and everyone would hear the mm. podcast going at some point. And I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. If this would got out and like people listened to what I was like, they probably think I'm a very like businessman, like doing business stuff on a plane. And instead I'm listening <laughs> to some podcast. So then I was a editing and I, and I was listening to Matt's bit last week about, you know, I think you were like telling wives like, Oh, the, the Bill Burr bit, right. Where yep, what if yep. wives just sat down, put on the game, made a dinner, like got, got their husbands a beer, like how mind blowing would that be? And I was thinking, what would be the equivalent for your wives? Like if you wanted to just do acts of service as your love language, what would be the number one thing you could do? Like that would shock and blow away your wife. I think for me, it would literally just be listening to her. If I don't have a phone in my hand and I'm checking it all the time. And then later asking her the exact thing she just explained to me for 10 minutes, like she would be blown away by that. I don't know what, or if maybe if I made her an egg white omelet, like that would blow her away. Matt, what would, what would blow her away in your mind? I don't know where you come up with these questions, Rob. I mean, it's because Christ. I want to get you guys in trouble with your wives. It's my favorite. Oh, yeah, it, seems, it seems like where we're going. I know. Now. That's why I'm saying, I, I don't know. I think, you know, Sarah just likes to have, um, some Sarah time. And so if it's just taking the, the, the kids somewhere or, you know, just letting her have some Sarah time. Um, you let her you take know, the I, kids I places, Matt. That's so kind of you just to be I all know. by yourself. She comes home and Matt's just 360 dunking in the driveway. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, I, you know, so I don't know. I, it, it, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe on the wives episode, this is what Russell should be asking when we when we do that in a couple of weeks. Right. Are we doing are we doing version two, Russell? It's the version two is coming up in a couple of weeks. Everyone. Yeah. So we might need to ask there. So, you know, I, I guess I don't have a great answer for you, Rob, but I think just letting her. Uh, you know, have have some alone time, have some Sarah time. So, especially in this these COVID times, where we spend so much time together as a family. So, <laughs> you really emphasize that so much time so together. So yeah, much time. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's not. I in terms of acts of service, it's definitely anticipating the needs before they before they get there. And I, I yeah, I think just being more proactive about uh, if if it were going to be a day of service, I would just notice everything that should be you know, cleaned or taken care of before it, it needed to be taken care of. So you'd get up early every Tuesday to stir the peanut butter. So she didn't have to stir the peanut butter right. on a weekly basis. <laughs> I'm a decent yeah. peanut butter stirrer, you know, honey, don't worry. I'll hang up all the clothes in our bedroom over the bed today. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'll preheat that oven. Yeah. Don't oh, I, don't, worry. I don't get why we don't have enough time in our day. We, it only takes us a half hour to cook every meal because we don't order a goddamn <laughs> microwave. Rob, I think the women I date would just appreciate if I would accidentally delete their number so I wouldn't pester them for a second date. I think that would just be much easier. That, and then they wouldn't have to ghost or give me the, the blow off. It I would like, be much easier. I like the I idea of you pestering your dates, number. though. Like you're sending them texts like, hey, 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 second date, question mark. Question mark. Did you get my text? Are you there? I sent them handwritten letters. I'm oh, the real no. deal here. Handwritten letters. <laughs> Lady, I took the time to cut out all those letters out of different magazines. I think you'll respond to this. Thank you very much. 
Rosie <laughs> rolling going. Money. How's it going with you? <laughs> Wait, I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's rolling going okay. It's going okay. Um, we were. It was toddler spring break this week, so we were out of town uh, for the week. That was nice. Uh, we went so you, back. You, to, you worked five less hours. I, I took two days week. off. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. yeah, you so, might be so I'm sorry, seven hours. <laughs> I took oh, two man. days off, but yeah, I worked a little bit. Uh, but we went uh, to our usual favorite uh, place to go for a week in Lake Tahoe, where we rent 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 the same place that we've rented for a while. And uh, when we were there in the summer, we were sitting out on the deck on these red plastic deck chairs. And the chair broke right underneath me, right behind me. So I fell straight backwards onto the deck. Uh, It wasn't too bad, but it was kind of like a minimal thing. And we were just back there again this week. And uh, I sat in another one of the red plastic deck chairs. And this time it just exploded beneath me. So I had a pretty (laughs) sore back all week because I felt they just, I've broken two deck chairs at this damn rental now. You got got to lay uh, off that pre-mixed peanut butter, Aaron. Yeah, right. I know. So I felt Aaron, I can tell you're not a fat guy because when you sit in a chair, you put all your weight on the chair immediately. (laughs) That is such an amateur move. (laughs) You need to sit down putting at most. 30% 30% of your weight on the chair until you kind slowly relax. Yes, exactly. yes, they're leaning forward and then not letting people see that you're gently setting yourself on a chair because you're terrified it's going to break. Aaron, come on. You're getting fat now. This is just the way it is. You got to join us in the fat guy lifestyle. Yeah, the same chair. I broke two of them in, within six months. You'd think I wouldn't have sat on it the second time. But yeah, I was really Only sore once. all week. So I had Shame to, on I had you. To take it easy a little bit other than you guys the sun around. I like the idea that you're like laid up in bed all week and you're like my back. Oh my God. Can you bring me my protein shake? That's handmade. I hurt my back sitting in a chair. This is probably more likely that Rob and I have experienced this at some point. Have you guys ever had a, a scare where you were worried you were going to break a chair in like a public place? Oh. Cause I've had one of those before I was at my cousin's wedding out in South Dakota oh, once yeah. and they had all these chairs set up. And the chairs were like these real small, white, flimsy chairs. Yeah, I know exactly and, what you're talking about. And everyone, it was like 90 degrees and everyone's sitting out there. And I sit on this chair. And I'm like, I don't think this thing is going to hold me for an hour. And so the whole time I'm like kind of sitting in an uncomfortable manner where I'm sitting like kind of up on my legs. And literally for an hour, I didn't hear a word that was said during the ceremony. I didn't listen to any of the music. I was just praying that the chair was not going to collapse beneath me. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> Awful. That's that's like I got this device for my chairs. It's called a, a saw a saw con. Have you guys seen these? <laughs> saw con these nuts. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, at rolling going. Russ, I got a rolling going with you, I think, right? Rolling going. Rolling going. So I was actually getting ready for this podcast and I watched this documentary, four part documentary called The Defiant Ones. Have you guys ever seen this before? No. 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 So it's actually something that was done by HBO. I think it's on this new streaming channel, Peacock, if any of you guys have that yet. But it's essentially this. Okay, wait, let me Google that real quick. Peacock. (laughs) Oh, the link is already purple. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Sorry. I misspelled it. How did you spell P? (laughs) You're making the subtext text here. Move on. Saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, P-E-E-N. But anyways, the, this documentary is kind of telling two different stories. It's telling the story of Dr. Dre, how he kind of comes up and gets into music, starts working with NWA, goes to death row, and then goes to, is it after, what's his, whatever his current Aftermath. label is, Aftermath. Aftermath. 
Is it aftermath? Is that right? Aftermath. Aftermath. Yeah. Yep. And then it also tells it's kind of telling a separate story of this guy Jimmy Iving who becomes the the founder oh, of see this. Yep. Interscope Records. And so oh, it right. essentially is telling two stories of how this Jimmy Iving this he becomes this recording engineer and he's working with all these huge names down the road. Is the boss? He's working with Joni Mitchell, Matt's favorite, Tom Petty, who we've been talking about, Stevie Nicks. But he kind of goes to on. Stevie Nicks, right? Yeah. yeah, he was dating her for a while. At least yeah. I know that. But so he eventually goes on to found Interscope Records, and he's working with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. He's working with Marilyn Manson. So all these kind of artists that are really out there a little bit. And eventually he starts working with, yeah. And so he's eventually starts working with Dr. Dre, but it's a really, really cool documentary. And I would highly recommend it for anyone. But the one thing that was interesting for me is that the beginning starts where the two of these guys find or found Beats by Dre, the headphones, right? And so it starts with how they're going to sell this to Apple for $3 billion and then how the sale gets screwed up. And it's kind of ends with this sale too. But I realized I'm just a moron. And so I went out and bought Beats by Dre headphones today because I, I was seeing them on, on, the, on the documentary. But I was wondering from you guys, do you guys think headphones are an important part to enjoying music? Like if you have cheap earbuds, is that the same as having a nice pair of headphones or what should I be doing to really enjoy all this music? Should I have nice headphones or what's the way to do it? I, I, I have the AirPod pros now, this noise canceling ones. It has changed. They've changed my life. My wife tries to talk to me so much now <laughs> and I have no idea what she's talking about at any time. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No idea what's going on. For example, I went to a dinner tonight, did not know about it until 15 minutes before we had to go. No idea whatsoever. But those uh, those sound-canceling headphones, like even just the AirPod Pros, I know they're not like, you know, hourly the best, but they they just, they sound so much better than like cheap little earbuds. Hmm. Yeah, I've never like, had nice headphones. So I wouldn't know. What? Yeah, I have, I, Shit, it's one of those things that you know that the, well, I guess you don't know, but the more expensive they are, the better they are. And, and, and uh, I got some Beats by Dre. Um, they're not the cover your ear ones. They're just like the little, they're connected in the back. They're wireless, Bluetooth, um, over the ear kind of for working out. And yeah, they're phenomenal. But yes, absolutely. You are absolutely getting quality uh, if you pay if you pay up for your headphones and stuff like that, my problem is it's probably the same thing with Rosie is that I'm just so afraid I'm going to break them or lose them or leave them somewhere and and forget about them that it's not like earth shattering earth shatteringly uh, important to have that much better ear buds earphones in my case, uh, but uh, they absolutely do make a, a difference and yeah if if you if you are into that thing. Um, into the, how do you say it, Rob? Say that one more time. Hourly. Hourly. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled with no, an Matt, you didn't get it quite Hourly. right there. You want, to, you want to try that again. Hourly. You got to be real careful with the words. Cause if they're asking, if they're at, if you go to the headphone store and they say, what do you want to pay for? And you say hourly, orally, or hourly, that's, you're going to get three <laughs> totally different things. So you got to be real careful. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I love music in headphones and I think anytime we are going and I mean nothing but a G thing in headphones sounds like a total world shaker even just in the Apple AirPods so I can only imagine how much they'd sound better in a nice pair of headphones. I had to do one trip home from work without headphones this year. It's like a, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute commute or whatever. It was one of the worst days of my life. 
Period. End of story. <laughs> Not even close. It was, I was like sitting there on the subway, like with my thoughts. And I was like, what am I, this is crazy. I don't want to deal with this crap anymore. I want podcasts streaming in my brain. I don't want to have to think about anything. It's crazy. I, by the way, I, I was thinking about, I watched a documentary about uh, the son of Gandhi. Have you guys seen this? Come on, just no. come on. Lee Gandhi. No. Lee no. Gandhi's nuts. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. Let's get into uh, let's get into the three senses about Hang this on. album. Listen, that doesn't make sense. Lee Gandhi's nuts. Listen, I'll I'll draw you a picture later. Don't worry. Uh, so this we're talking about the chronic by Dr. Dre coming out in 1992, right? And this was kind of the the album that really launched Snoop. Uh, in the first place, this, he did not have an album before this. Doggy Style came out after this and really established that G-Funk sound, which here is described as uh, fat, blunted, parliament, funkadelic beats. I couldn't believe, by the way, how much parliament was in this album. Soulful yeah, backing vocals and live instruments with rolling bass lines and then the, the whiny synth that we've talked before on the podcast. This mm. album spent uh, eight months in the Billboard Top 10. And basically, if you were a white kid living in Minnesota. This was your yep. introduction to gangster rap. Not even close. I knew so many kids in middle school and high school had this album. Kanye kind of summed it up best. And he says, listen, the chronic is the hip hop equivalent of Stevie wonders key of life. It's the benchmark that everyone measures their album against. So this is the gangster rap album, the greatest album of all time. And a lot of people think it's the greatest hip hop album of all time. So shall we get into it? Let's get into, Let's get into it. it. I don't know. This first song was produced by somebody named Sugma. Uh, Sugma Boss. All right. So, by the way, I got to tell you guys, I got the edited version of all these songs because we don't want to be too dirty on the podcast. Almost unlistenable. I'm just going to say that right now. We don't want to be too dirty. They're the jump right in with the whistle. But there's that, there's that snake right off the bat, like we talked yeah. about on that on the Biggie album, right, Aaron? Yeah, that's the G Funk signifier this, right there now. This intro, you know exactly what the whole album is going to sound like. It's right here. And then we go into Dr. Dre Day. Oh, and everybody's celebrating. We're really getting clean here, aren't we, Rob? This song is just badass. This is an all-timer. When this comes on every time, this, this album had more head nodding for me than almost any other album we've listened to. When I listened to this in my headphones on the subway, I felt like such a badass. It was crazy. So, Aaron, is this from Atomic Dog, or what is this pulling from? I think it might be from Knee Deep um, by Parliament, but I was trying to figure that out, too. I, I didn't. I purposely didn't look up every sample on this album because I wanted to try to say something other than what the samples are. But, uh, yeah, I, that might be Knee Deep. Yeah. It's absolutely Knee Deep. I was surprised because what I didn't realize is that this album was such a big diss track, right? Like, I knew that he had something going on with Easy. I had no idea what was going on at the time. And then I thought he hated everybody in NWA, but all of a sudden Ice Cube shows up in the video for Dre Day. I don't yeah, get I think it. they were ma they were kind of like in the process of making up. I, I mean, I think the beef was always about money, and I think Dre and Ice Cube had similar qualms with Easy. I don't, I never, I don't know who was in the right on that one, but I think Easy essentially chose the manager over Dr. Dre. Right at one point, yeah, I think Dr. So. Dre said something's got to change here, and Easy picked his manager. And just just to be clear, I mean, all of these guys that were in they were in NWA before they kind of broke off and went yeah. individually. Yep. And Eazy E, very quickly here, was basically plucked off of the corner. Yep. You know, he was not a rapper. wasn't They they just liked his voice, and you know, he's kind of the voice of NWA. And he just right. kind of tried to jump 
above them, but Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, um, they're the, I don't know, the brains and the kind of, they're the ones that made the engine go. And so that's what, that's like where the, the big main beef host comes of NWA, if you really think about it. Yeah. Well, Easy E thought he was the main host, and then you saw what happened to him. So I don't know, Rob. No, no lesson to learn there. Listen, I want to play for you the first verse with this is probably the verse that introduced the whole world to Doc to uh, Snoop Dogg. Which, by the way, at the time he was named Snoop Doggy Dog, which he later changed, which is unfortunate. I would still like to call him Snoop Doggy Dog. The back and forth with Snoop and Dre is just an all timer here, right? Yeah. And this video was so cool. Snoop was the coolest person on the planet at the time for a very short period of time. You know, you know what? Snoop has almost become a parody of himself. He's been around so long. You kind of wonder if if he hadn't been around so long, if he would be way up higher on the list right now. If you would have just taken Doggy Style or whatever his first album was, if he hadn't made a ton of albums or hadn't been around and become almost a joke of himself, not a joke of himself, but Everyone's just so used to him. If he had just been around for a little he's bit, commercialized. I he's yeah, commercialized. Yeah, exactly, Matt. Exactly. I kind of like the vibe on Doggy Style better than this one, but Doggy Style is—I mean, Doggy Style is just so raunchy, dirty that it's hard to listen to now. I mean, this one is yeah. too. But I'm going to write that down in my notes. Doggy Style. I'm going to Google that real quick. Doggy Style. Oh wait, the link is purple. Raunchy. I think the other cool thing about this song is Dr. Dre talks about the White Sox hat, and if you look in all those videos, they're wearing like old school baseball. They're Baseball hats came back because of Dr. Dre, right? People weren't wearing the MLB hats in in the 90s, and then they started coming back through hip-hop, right? Right, yeah. I do want to take, I have an issue with this album, and that is Mm -hmm. that I feel like their jokes are not that good. I think they could have written better jokes. For example, in this one, uh, Snoop teases by saying, I heard you like jokes about your Jimmy. I'm going to tell you a Jimmy joke that you might not like. And then he literally just calls your mom like a homophobic slur. That's the joke. Like I was like, oh, I was really excited for like what he's going to say. And then what he said is nothing. I've already said that. I don't think that chin nuts joke makes any sense. All the jokes I've done have been way better. Right? Like, did you guys hear about how I won a pound? I want to pound these nuts in your face. You know, it's like all those are so much better. I'm better than Snoop Dogg is really what it comes down to. I'm also going to say this. In this verse, he also says that your rhymes are very bootylicious. It wasn't until today. I was today years old when I realized that he meant that as an insult. How is the word bootylicious not just the greatest compliment? And, and of course, Destiny's Child, like five years later, made the song bootylicious a true compliment. But how can you call somebody bootylicious and not be like, oh, thank you, Snoop, for calling me bootylicious? Because he's calling him shit, Rob. If shit was bootylicious, I'd eat it by the cone, baby. I mean, that sounds so good. Also, do I have a tattoo on my lower back that says bootylicious? You know I do. Damn right I do. Now, you think that song makes your head nod? I'm going to dare you to not nod your head during this song. Mm. There's so much parliament on this album. It's crazy. Just another Lots of gaps in the clean version. This is the third single off the album. It got all the way up to thirty-four. Aaron, when you hear this, tell us about like where where the funk comes from. This is it. George Clinton is it funkadelic? Where where does the funk come in onto this album? Yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of it is Parliament funkadelic, right? So it's uh, like what what we were just listening to is a Parliament uh, either sample or interpolation or both. Uh, Dre Day had Knee Deep by Parliament, so yeah, it was that. The funk, I think, had the great bass lines, 
Sometimes they brought in a lot. Bill Withers, James um, Brown. There's a lot of James Brown too. Right. Yeah. So that's the. I mean, obviously that was the West Coast. West Coast sound. Even though a lot of folks came from you know, Ohio. I, and I knew that. I didn't. I, I'm not looking at the. Wikipedia or anything. I, I knew that off the top of my head. <laughs> a lot of the funk came, and we'll talk about this maybe with nothing but G thing, but a lot of the funk came from Warren G because he was the one actually digging in the crates, finding stuff and bringing it to Dre. Do you guys know that Rolling Stone actually put together a list of the 40 greatest stoner albums ever? And hmm. this was number 28 on the list, kind of lower than I thought. What? 28th on the list of best stoner Wait, albums. Lower ever. on the list? You mean a higher number? I was going to email them and make sure they didn't get it wrong and have the higher and lower mixed up. That's good. You should do that. But I couldn't figure out how to navigate the website. So I had to, I had to go look at something else. But anyways, higher on the list or wait, a lower number, but higher mm-hmm. on the list, Rob, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Was an album called Mellow Gold by Beck. And oh. Mellow Gold, just like the chronic is also named after a strain of weed from California. And so, Rob, if you want to pull up this song by Beck, I believe it's called Pay No Mind. This is a song off of Mellow Gold. So get out your lead pipe, pipe dreams. Get out your tender yeah, flags. To connect this to Snoop and Dre is unbelievable. You've done it. So essentially, Rolling Stone described the Mellow Gold album as Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde and Beastie Boys Boutique meet in the bathroom in between class and get high as the Himalayas. (laughs) They put this as the 10th greatest stoner album ever. So it's lower on the list, a higher number. So when it comes to stoner albums, who does it better? Beck did it better. Wow. Way to go, Beck. (laughs) <laughs> Who has the greatest stoner albums, <laughs> Dr. Dre or Beck? And the answer is obviously Beck. The number one was <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Bold as Love. Have you heard of that one? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Bold as Love. So yeah. that's that was the number one stoner album, according to Rolling Stone, unless I got the whole list wrong. And then that would have been the 40th greatest stoner <laughs> album. Uh, did you guys hear about the album called Kisma? <laughs> All right. <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. We song, Rob. Just oh, play it. All right, Aaron. What's the title of this song? It's the day that ends <laughs> took over. This is more of a reggae back song. It's it's referring to the LA riots at the time. This was the song that I found most interesting in listening to this album. It's uh, the second half of the album I never knew as well. And this right. one's really a fascinating track. Why do you think it's fascinating? Um, I think in context with the sort of blunted and um, angry stance uh, of some of the rest of the songs, this kind of um, message of unity or um, uh, militarism, I thought was interesting. Um, but my, the most interesting thing to me is that the, uh, Rob mentioned the reggae influence. They do kind of the the patois kind of voice comes in. Um, and to me, this, is, this whole song is an, an homage to KRS-One. And so then the fact that KRS comes in as the sample on um, Got Myself an Uzi and My Brother in Nine. I just think it's interesting because it's, you know, East Coast, West Coast, borrowing from one another. Well, you know, these guys actually got in trouble after the song for penny trading. Penny trading with these nuts. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I don't have anything actually intellectual to add to this conversation, which is kind of the norm. The okay. <laughs> Can I just ask you this? Do the opening notes in this song sound a little off key to you? No. 
Are they not? They sound a little like that. What? Uh, you might be right. I don't know. I just love it so much. I mean, obviously intentionally, but... I don't know if anyone has the vinyl version of this, but the end of the previous song leading into the beginning it's of this perfect. song is one of the most amazing transitions ever, right? It's glorious. This this song, by the way, uh, Nothing But a G Thing. I want to play you a little bit of the Dre verse here. So good. He originally wrote this song and they wanted to record the demo and it's actually over originally over a Boz Gag song. And I tried to look for the original demo forever on YouTube. I couldn't find it. But Snoop recorded his part from inside of a jail cell. Like on the phone, doing the one, two. I mean, can you imagine getting your hands on that recording, how awesome that would be? And the the sample of this is from a Leon Haywood song called, I Want to Do... Do something freaky? Right? I want to do something freaky to you. Okay, yeah. It's not just I want to do something freaky. It, it points out. I want to do something freaky to you, Russell. I don't like when Rob says he wants to do freaky stuff Russell? to us and then points at us in the camera. I want to do <laughs> something. Sorry, Rob. Freaky to oh, no. you, Russell. I don't like Jeez. this. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Rob's stronger than me. I don't like it. Oh yeah. Oh, here we it's go. It's all right there. They just they just pumped up the sound, and I think they had a live bassist come in on this one. Oh, have you heard the parody to this song, Russell? No, I would love to hear it though. Parody's nuts. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but it does. It speaks to the the point that Rob made about Kanye, or um, yeah, Rob, that Rob made about Kanye, and then also relates to what Russell said about Dre and Jimmy Iovine was that. Dre just knew how to make sound. He knew how to get the sound right. And when he played that demo for Jimmy Ivey and he said, who produced this? And Dre was like me. And he said, well, who's the engineer? And Dre said me. And he just knew right away that he knew how to make clean, crisp, good sounding hip hop. Hey, Aaron, did, did what, did what's their name get out to you the other day? Who's that? D's nuts. <laughs> Rob, I poached it. <laughs> Woo! I didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> Like, okay, walnuts, nuts on the wall, funny, right? <laughs> Chestnuts, I would say that's funny. What? What are chin nuts? There's no such thing as chin nuts. You didn't listen to the end of it. You're not no, even listening I get to the punchline. You've got a dick in your mouth, but why? There are no chin nuts. Like nobody'd be like, "Oh, are these chin nuts?" I'd be like, "What are chin nuts?" <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. By the way, Warren G on the intro here. Oh no, I'm sorry. That is Warren G making that chin nuts joke. It's War- it's Warren G at the beginning, and then I think Nate Dog is at the end of the the song, right? Right. Why do we have to wait so long on this album to get some Nate Dog in our lives? It's terrible. All right, we've got Little Ghetto Boy. This one. About seeing all the young gangsters coming up. Is this Donny Hathaway? Yes. I think my favorite part of the song, you heard a little bit there, but maybe, Rob, you can jump to the end, is the flute. There is jazz flute on this song. Oh, there we go. you hear this part of it? Oh, I love it. I love it. So I was looking, I was wondering, who is this jazz flute player? And it's this guy, Catisse Buckingham. And he's actually famous. He's played with Lionel Richie. He's played with Aerosmith. He's played with a bunch of famous bands, but I couldn't really find any of his songs. But you know who else he has played with? Who? He played in the movie Anchorman. He is the guy who played the jazz flute. Whoa. That Will Ferrell is playing an anchor man. Check this out. This is this same guy, Katie Buckingham. 
That's baby making music. That's what that is. What? That's baby yeah. making music. <laughs> the jazz flute player on the Chronic is the same guy who plays the jazz flute in Anchorman. Man, shout out. Russell, I feel bad for the next woman you date because she's going to have to sleep with you after you tell her that fact. <laughs> I would pick her up on a date. I would open the door and I'd be like, hey, I'm Russell. Do you know the flute player on the Chronic is also the same guy from Anchorman? <laughs> Do you want to go back to my place or yours? Where are we going? Rob, there's even a cooler thing about this that only you will love, but I have to share it. And I don't know if that woman will still sleep with me after she knows this part of it, but. Rob, you've talked before about the show Who's the Boss. You've made jokes about Tony talking about Samantha, right? Mona, Samantha, Jonathan. So this Catisse <laughs> Buckingham, the flute, the jazz flute player for The Chronic and for Anchorman, also starred in a special episode of Who's the Boss. <laughs> the episode where Samantha gets a hickey on her neck and has to walk around the house with her head tilted the whole time Seen while it. Tony Danz is trying to figure out what happened to Samantha's neck. That Katice Buckingham was the 13-year-old kid <laughs> that gave Samantha the hickey. That, Russell, this, this, this list makes me so happy. This isn't even your list. It just makes me happy. Finally, who's the boss news that I can live with? How much for a Tony Danza cameo, by the way? Can we get Tony Danza just to say Mona to me on a cameo? He's so good. And then I just send him a video of me jacking off to him saying Mona into a cameo. He's like, wait, what? And then I charge him money because that's my cameo. Oh, no. Rob's to me saying Mona. It's a vicious cycle. What podcast am I on? Hey, Rob, yes. he, he was the housekeeper. I bet he used to use the washer and dryer all the time. I wonder if he ever got stuck. Oh, Mona. Mona. Angela, I'm stuck in the dryer. What are you doing, Angela? No. Who's the boss now, Tony? Samantha might be home soon, Angela. Oh, no. What are you doing? By the way, I did text these guys a Suez Canal stepbrother boat joke sent in by Music Mike 76. Who, by the way, is still my best friend. Why would you guys not send me that movie? He did. Best friend music, Mike. We love it. That van. I mean, he drove that van around and who's the boss, right? He's driving that van. You know he's up to no good. Ah, I should have ended with the, him fucking Mona in the dryer. Damn it. You know what, guys? So much of this podcast, you think it's like, oh, I'm just going to tell funny jokes about who's the boss and Tony Danza getting stuck in a dryer. That's where this podcast has led to. This is the natural conclusion of the podcast. But then you got to learn to draw back. You know what I mean? Like you got to learn to stick the landing and just stop talking about it. Lessons stuck. for us all. Consider it stuck. So when you're on that date, Russell, and you explain to your date how we got to this point where Tony Danza is stuck in a dryer and saying, Angela, you'll Mona. chill down. Oh right. So what if it was about? what if it was Mona instead of Angela? What if it what if he just had <laughs> He had a thing for grandmas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a gilf hunter. Uh, also purple in my links. Okay, so let's talk about Oh no, I'm sorry. We have uh an N with a with a gun. Oh, this is so quiet. This is getting into this. As we get later in the album, I only I only associate these songs with listening to the greatest Death Row's greatest hits in Russell's uh, dorm room in college. So I didn't even know some of these were on the Chronic. I was like, oh, this this from Death Row's greatest hits. All right, you're like Russell. All these blacklight posters, I can barely see it here. There's so many. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we bumped the CD a lot. Oh, you know what though? My favorite thing in college was they had those um, meals where it had like onions and leeks. Leek these nuts. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> look at next to this next to this next song. My only notes next to it is Lee Gandhi. I already used that joke. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of my least favorite songs on the album. I don't know why. Some some of the material on this is, you know, dated. I don't think you could make this album anymore, but this is my no. least favorite song on the album. No. Do you want to guess uh, which part of this album my kids walked in on me multiple times listening to? <laughs> uh, was it the doctor's office? Over and over and over? Yes, absolutely it was. By the way, I did want to play you the, the song that they sampled from here. Don Julian. It's a song called... Jandizito. I just love this song. More flute for you, Russell. Oh, yes. This is a musical I'd style. It's known, as, it's known as uh, Rubendiz. Rubendiz Nuts. All right. So that's the only notes I have for every other song all the way down. Hey, Rob, anytime yes. you hear this song in the future now, all you're going to think of is that that's the kid who gave Samantha the hickey on who's the boss. <laughs> oh, no, Samantha. I can see from inside the dryer you got a hickey. Wait, what are you doing? We're not related by blood. Uh, all right, twenty dollars sack pyramid. Twenty dollars sack pyramid. I'm your host, OG. The complex complex said that this was the greatest rap skit ever, sketch ever on an album, and I would have to I agree. This one. The only thing that's even close could be the Wu Tang. The yeah, for me it's Wu Tang torture. That's, filthy yeah, thing that's they were gonna do to yeah. each other, right? That's my favorite, but I'm you know partial to the Wu Tang. Biggie's sex one I thought was okay. That was pretty funny, I thought. But not not as good as this one. It made me uncomfortable thinking about it. Uh, I will say the only thing I wanted to say about this is that the host on this, if you look at who did this, the host is, she gives her name at the beginning, but on the liner note, she's... OG Henny Lowe? She's, yeah, she's credited as Big Titty Nikki. So there's that for you. Like, hey, how do you want me to credit you on this album? Uh, put down Big Titty Nikki. All right, I will. Matt, what do you think of the, Matt? What do you think of the skits on rap albums or the skits on this one? I don't know how. I, I don't know what to think. I mean, like you, you go from uh, we got Nas coming up, we got Tribe Called Quest, we've got some of these other ones, Eric and Rakim, you know, and then we, we're putting skits on these albums, and it's like it's just two totally different things. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, they're great and all, but I don't, I don't know. Does it add anything to the album? Um, it certainly adds to. The culture and where they're at and, and and things like that so you know again as white uh kids growing up in the cornfields uh you know it certainly adds a, a flavor to a different sort of life than we could even imagine uh even think about and so you know it makes you laugh when you're a kid but now it's kind of just i mean it feels like filler and um you know they're funny but could i do without them yeah i don't know yeah, I, would so I don't have any good take on them, but yeah. All right, next up, let's get to my mom's favorite song, Lyrical Gang Bang. <laughs> Should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. I read that the drum sample was from Led Zeppelin on this. Did you guys yeah. read that? When the levee breaks. Wait, so that's the same drum sample that um, Beyonce used. Is it? Yeah. yeah, in the track with um, Jack White. I can't think of music when there's any music on. And here we have one of the artists that appears a number of times on the album, the Lady of Rage. Lady of Rage, still kicking Badass. up dust. She's got to be a little bummed it didn't take off like it did for Snoop Dogg after this album, doesn't it? Yeah, it's tough for lady rappers, man. There could, you know, they just weren't they weren't supported like a, like like men were. I was reading I was reading the the other day that 
really Dr. Dre only has two albums where he's credited as the main artist on it, right? It's the chronic and the chronic 2000. Is that right? Yeah. Cause uh, detox never came out. No, he had right. Compton. I mean, Compton came out in what 2015. That would have been his third one. I didn't love that one though. By the way, that that chronic 2000, that's the album. I know way better than this album. I used to listen to that album all the time. Yeah, and so when we, like I would often ask for songs on my Alexa to listen to this one, I was like, "Oh, I love this song," and then I realized it's off the other Chronic album. Very confusing. Oh, it's "Don't Hurt but, Yourself" on Lemonade that samples the same drums from One Lady Bricks. But Dr. Dre is almost more famous for being a producer than he is an actual rapper. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, he didn't he oh, didn't write sure, most yeah. of his raps. Uh, the DOC wrote his wrote his lyrics on Nothing But a G Thing. M wrote a bunch of his stuff on Chronic Two Thousand. He's, I don't think he's ever even made a huge secret of it. Like he's uh, rapping isn't his number one. He didn't strength. come up with I'm creeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping. And then I'm trying <laughs> to do something, but my beeper keeps beeping. That bums me out. Cause those are like the greatest lyrics of all time. Cause Snoop Dogg has to say to him, Hey, Drake creep in here. And he goes, yes, I'm creeping and I'm creeping. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's like, <laughs> but the other thing that's great about that is that the DOC wrote those lyrics. And then he says like my N word DOC, no one can do it better. So if you, if you get to write the lyrics, you get to tell everybody, I mean, he did have an album called no one can do it better, but yeah, if you get to sneak in and write the lyrics yourself, then you can big up yourself if you want. But he is kind of known as one of the greatest producers ever. And so what I wanted to do yes. for you guys quickly is a list of the greatest Dr. Dre produced songs of all time. Well, I'm here for this. Yes. It's, it's, it's time. You know, I have you guys write jokes for me sometimes. Here, I got one that Aaron texted me about. Have you guys seen the slaw bunnies running around? No, slaw bunnies nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that gets Russell every time. He loves these jokes. He's a big these nuts guy. These nuts. So obviously, he he was the producer for NWA, Snoop. Eminem, a lot of famous artists, but I'm going to touch on some ones you might not be aware of, but some of them you're definitely going to be aware of. The first one we have to mention is Tupac, California Love, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Rob was talking about nodding heads, man. This is a head nodder. So when you watch this Defiant Ones, this documentary, it turns out that Warner Brothers, who owned 50% of Interscope, actually fronted the money to bail Tupac out of jail. So Warner Warner Brothers, or Time Warner, I should say, Time Warner, excuse me, is actually the group that funded the money to get Tupac out so he could record California Love with Dr. Dre. Isn't that crazy? That's and they amazing. Say, they saved the money by not giving him real clothes for that video. They just gave him like stuff from the <laughs> Mad Max. They're like, listen, we don't have time to get you real clothes. This is from Mad Max. Just put it on. Everybody will love it. It's the Thunderdome. We did love it, too. So the next song on the list, after right after California Love, all of a sudden Death Row starts breaking up and Dr. Dre walks away from Death Row, leaves it. And a lot of people are trying to leave, but like people are getting assaulted. People are getting killed. It's this huge mess. And he walks away from it and he actually produces another song kind of incognito and he raps a little bit on it. You guys remember No Diggity by Blackstreet? This is a Dr. Oh, Dre yes. production. I like the way you work Matt mentioned Bill Withers. We got Bill Withers on the sample here. I am declaring this the third greatest song of all time behind, behind God what? Only Knows and Hot for Teacher. This is the third greatest song of all time. <laughs> I bought this song on iTunes, and so it turns out Blackstreet was right. Getting paid is their forte because I definitely <laughs> paid money for this song. 
And it was right when streaming stuff was happening too. I paid for it. I don't care. I'm like, what if I'm underground in the subway and I want to listen to Blackstreet? I've got to be able to do it right from my phone. Blackstreet, this song, No Diggity, eventually made it to number one. The song it replaced was at number one for 14 weeks. It was The Macarena. Wow. <laughs> Not the Dr. <laughs> Next up. Go ahead. No, I thought you were going to blow their mind with another Dr. Dre song. And then you hit us with the Macarena. It was like I had, like I had whiplash. I didn't know what was. The Macarena was at number one for 14 weeks. We have lived in a world where the Macarena was the number one song for four months. It was a phenomenon. Hey, I can do the dance still. Next up on the list is a few years later in 2001. This is Eve and Gwen Stefani. Let me Ooh. blow your mind. Shake your asses. It kind of feels like a Dr. Dre song, right? The music. You can definitely hear the Dre in this. Yeah, he was using a lot of that kind of guitar sound in Chronic 2000. Eve just such a flow. So good. So next up on the list, everyone knows he made Eminem very famous, but there might be another artist that you guys aren't aware that he actually was the person who made him famous. It's 50 Cent in the club. This is a Dr. Dre production. Yes. Oh, this, I mean, this song was everywhere when it was hot. It was a monster. I don't even know if I've ever been into club, and I still love this song. Like, if I walked into the club and it was a birthday party full of clowns, I'd be like, yeah, sure, this is what the club is, I guess. I don't know. Like, I never heard the clowns mentioned, but I guess that's what it is. This song was actually supposed to be meant for Eminem for 8 Mile, and it didn't work out for whatever reason, and then it went to 50 Cent. So think of how different the world would have been if there were no 50 no Cent 50 or cent, in the club, right. Rob. I, that's not a world I want to live in. No? Agreed. The final song on the list was from 2001. This is Family Affair from Mary J. Blige. Check this one out. Oh, 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 oh I didn't know this was great. This is the Dr. Dre production. That's why it's made it to number daughter. one. Spent six weeks at number one on the Billboard. Party with me. And is also probably most famous for popularizing the term "crunk," which is also short for "crazy drunk." Rob, you listen. The tattoo on my back will tell you that you could t- seriously get crunk and then get a tattoo of crunk on there. You know, listening to these songs, Russell, I truly understand why Dre does have a wall full of plaques. That's from the Chronic 2001. So that's a different album I'm referencing. But I know you guys have thought at the end I was going to go, these nuts, but I didn't. So. so once again, Russell came up with a great list and I hit the brakes right at the end. That's crazy how many, I mean, he, what a what a singular talent he is. Like that's. Yeah, just bangers. Yeah. That's the cool thing where I recap everything everybody's been saying in the whole episode in a dumber way. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I say that, you guys could be like, oh, no, Rob, you really do contribute a lot to this podcast. I you appreciate do, it. Rob, you do contribute a lot. You You're the main those, host, Rob. Those Google searches you send us during the week are fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, I think next I'm going to start getting into philosophy. Feel how soft these nuts are. All right. So... <laughs> Next up, and then I don't know where I'm going after that. So I have a big like thing, and then afterwards I have to recover a little bit just from the thought of it. Rob's paid me a lot of money to sell these D's nuts joke tonight. <laughs> High power. <laughs> you're the new Aaron. You're laughing at all my jokes. I love it. Aaron, you're out. Uh, I'm powered. I, I wanted to play this because this is RBX on this verse. Oh, sorry. I have no remorse because I'm the mix of murderer. Haven't mm. you ever heard of a killer? 
got a great voice. I drop bombs. Yeah, but after listening to those other songs, I can skip that. Here's Aaron's favorite track. <clears throat> yes, may I help you? <laughs> With Dr. Dre. This is perhaps a skit that doesn't add to the oh, you, listenability you of the that album. think Dr. Dre never speaks on this? That maybe it's just like... It's, it's, who, does, who does the sex get better? Is this one better or is it the Biggie one better? It's got to be Biggie's is better. Like, even it's the thought of Biggie, odd. the size of like a car, you know, with some poor woman <laughs> under him. Like, that's what everybody thinks about, right? Is like, what physically is happening when Biggie is having sex with somebody? <laughs> And you just picture, like, it's her, like, trying to wrestle this mattress-sized man. <laughs> Even that idea is better because he's, like, saying things. She's saying things. It's funny. Those ones, it just sounds like it's, it's like, everybody can hear him having sex. It sounds disrespectful to me. I don't know. I think there's a certain amount of disrespect in this album. <laughs> you pretty much nailed it, Rob. <laughs> you know what? That's a hot take. I'm going to stand by it. Uh, stranded on Death Row. I actually really like this. I didn't know a lot of these songs in the back end either. This is the one we, we bumped a lot, Russell. This one I remember listening to a bunch of Russell. So you guys in your dorm room with all the Blacklight posters would bump Stranded on Death Row. Yes. And we would always Absolutely. talk along with the opening part. Those who are quiet will always cause riots. I think Stranded on Death Row also has the Lady of Rage on it too, right? Yeah. It's a long one. Yeah, it's got a lot of verses. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of these posse cuts. I was I went to my book Booze and Vinyl and they don't have the chronic but they did have doggy style so I was going to share what I'm drinking tonight with you guys. I'm drinking gin and juice and according yes. to the book the way you make gin and juice is gin, grapefruit juice, orange juice and a lime garnish. So I'm enjoying what? gin and juice tonight. That's gin and juices. There's two juices in gin and juice. There are two juices in gin and juice according juice to I? Booze and Vinyl. Do they tell you to shake it rather than stir it? I always thought the juice was like I don't know why but I always thought it was like Hawaiian punch. I can't imagine. Why did I think that? That's insanity. That's not even a juice by any definition. <laughs> gin and it's probably punch. OJ, so you're right? telling me probably, every yeah, time they're rolling down the hand. street and they're sipping gin and juice, they've got both orange juice and grapefruit juice in that cup. <laughs> well, <laughs> way. Where do you think they may not have juice? multiple mixtures? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like when you were in college, you never had two mixers. It was like, I'm going to go buy the yeah. warm Sprite from the vending machine. Yeah. There was, was no just two whatever's mixers. on hand. Let's see. Yeah. I've got Mountain Dew and I've got Karkoff vodka out of a plastic <laughs> bottle. Ah, yes, I will mix these. That sounds good. That to is me. a night. That yeah. is a good night right there. Yeah. Oh, why can't I ever look at a bottle of lime vodka anymore? Well, that might be the reason. Uh, the Roach. I want to play this beginning part because this sounds so much like George Clinton. Well, they're just, yeah, they're ripping off Make My Funk the P-Funk. I thought it was George Clinton doing like a cameo on this album. Right. It's crazy. It sounds so much like him. And it's an homage, maybe. And here's another song that my kids walked in on me playing over and over and over. Uh, uh, how do I say this? Bees Ain't Shit. Uh, Bees Ain't Shit, but this is the clean version. Okay. So you can't understand anything you're saying in the clean version. <laughs> These clean versions are, are rough. But I do want to read these lyrics to you just to end this album because I think it's, first of all, a crazy song to end the album on. Like super aggressive, super, super weird. But they edited out the word, the phrase, used to be all up in them guts. And whoever edited this took out what? the word guts for being dirty. And I was like, <laughs> all up in those guts is the funniest way to say ever that you've had sexual intercourse. That you got all up in those guts is so good to me. Like, I want to start saying that, like, oh, yeah, my wife's pregnant. I got all up in her guts. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> she can say that about me, too. Oh, yeah, I got all up in Rob's guts. No, I don't like that, actually. That's bad. That's good to edit it out. 
Rob, do you think Tony ever got up in Mona's guts? Oh, no. (laughs) Mona, getting all up in your guts. Uh, All right. That was a special edition that did not get aired on ABC. (laughs) No, well, that's like when Mona had her sister over Candace. Candace? Who? Yeah, Candace nuts fit in your mouth. All (laughs) right, that is it for the chronic. Let's get to nobody's favorite part anymore. Got a lot of emails, by the way, saying they actually hate this part. It's very confusing. What? No, just kidding. Nobody sends us any emails, period, except for insurance companies. If you guys want any discounted car insurance, please let me know, because Beck at... Beck did it better at gmail.com is getting a lot of emails about insurance for some reason. Mm. All right. So let's get into our final rating for 1992's The Chronic, which we broke down in excruciating detail and definitely talked about the social implications of gangster rap as it played out throughout the 90s, especially in our Midwestern lives. Let's go, Russell. What do you think? I is love it the rolling oh. well toned, which means it's exactly <laughs> right at number 36? Is it rolling boned, which means, hey, this should have been 35, 34. It should have been earlier at a lower number. Now, of course, we are going low to high, much in a way an airplane does when it's taking off. Or was this a rolling groan? Okay, that means that it should be later on the list. Much like when an airplane is going down, it is going down the list. However, when an airplane is going down, the numbers are actually getting lower on the altimeter, where in this case, the number is going up because it is a Rolling Stones list so russell what do you think of the album the chronic 1992 <laughs> by dr dre and snoop doggy dog at the time i love the funk i love the synthesizer snoop dog coming coming into his own here is fantastic and listening to it on my new beats by dre headphones the bass <laughs> is amazing on it some of this was kind of tough to listen to though i i don't even think someone could make an album like this anymore i think it would be over for them immediately but you have nothing but a g thing Fuck with Dre Day, Stranded on Death Row, the amazing jazz flute, the awesome skit. To me, this is an absolute classic. It brings me back to being a kid. If I had a choice between this or Ready to Die with Biggie, I'm going to take this. So I'm going to say it's Rolling Boned. All right, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, this is tough for me. This is Rolling Well Toned, and that means it's a perfectly ranked (laughs) album. Is it Rolling Boned, or is this a Rolling Grown? What do you think? I have the same nostalgia for this album that Russell was talking about. This was uh, these videos were on MTV and it was, I was so curious about it and fascinated about it. And I, you know, had to go buy parliament CDs because I wanted to hear how they created the sound and what it was all about. Oh but, my God. You were a nerd from young age. It's Woo. true. You could have paid true. a penny for those on Columbia, Aaron, and gotten a yeah, ton I mean, of them. I know. But I, like I found myself. Through the catalog. It was really small. What the fuck are you talking about? By the way, I want to go back to that. I'm going to edit this in later. What the fuck are you talking about, Aaron? <laughs> you, you didn't see the, you didn't have the, like, it was, came in the newspaper. It was like a little insert. Anyway, I don't think this album quite holds up as an album. It's too long. It's really heavy on RBX, who would have been used better in smaller doses. There's not enough Nate Dog, and I think there's some filler on it. So I think the highs are as, as high as any rap record or higher, but um, I'm going to have to give it a rolling groan. And, yeah, I'm just going to give it a rolling groan. Oh, my God. Jeez, you tricked me there. I was almost ready to go and then stop, and then you tricked well, me. Well, I was going to say, I found that. myself a little bit upset because I wanted to revisit It's Dark and Hell is Hot and listen to more DMX this week, but I had to do my homework for the chronic. So I, I don't know. I, I felt like I might want to listen to DMX instead. Yep. There's another artist that when you 
when you listen to them, the kids walk in, it can be problematic as well, by the way. DMX. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. I feel Russell. like Aaron's, I feel like Aaron's animosity made him speak what he just spoke right there. Yes. <laughs> animosity, Aaron. Man, I think you got it, Russell. What do you think? Rolling, going, rolling, bone to rolling, grown. I think this is rolling, uh, grown, um, you know, as a cultural icon of an album. Yeah. You know, MTV, Made this just, uh, everybody knows it. Everybody's heard it. Everybody knows who Snoop Dogg is. Everybody knows who Dr. Dre is because of it. But there are so many albums that we're going to be getting to uh, moving forward. Basically, four or five Outkast albums, um, Nas, uh, Tribe Called Quest. There's there's so many, uh, a couple more of the Kanye albums, uh, some Jay-Z that, that are just so much better albums than this one. Um, so, you know, from a, just from a pure standpoint of greatest albums of all times, this is rolling grown for sure. Um, in my book, the correct answer is that this is a rolling quotation. Who cannot Ooh. who cannot sing along with this song? If you grew up <laughs> yes. in the nineties, yes. every single person knows almost every lyric to this song. Strategically sing along, in- including "I'm creeping and I'm creeping and I'm One, creeping." I mean, I, every time I put this on, I'm like, so this song." All right, that's it for the chronic. Next up, we're gonna go. Okay, so this is gonna gotta blow your mind. We're gonna go to a lower number next week. Because we've got Michael Jackson off the wall. And I used to have a couple of these. But it's higher on the list? Yes. Well, now you go, okay, wait a minute. Yes, it is higher on the list. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, this is really confusing. Wait, 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 wait. How dare wait. you pull that shit with me? <laughs> He's going to get a spanking after this in the postgame that's, show. That's going to be next week's spanking of the week. <laughs> but, you know, I did. I used to have these, a couple Michael Jackson CDs. CDs nuts. <laughs> when you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, that one, that one just go. too lazy <laughs> to look it up what? online. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah no, this no, no, now we just want to hear the guys in chat and then they get off. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me doing Michael Jackson was a podcast for you, Jack. <laughs> Beck did it better. We have to start creating a manual for you guys to, to figure out where our line is because I think our line is moving every week of what's acceptable, what's not. Every time I listen to one of these albums, I think well, there's got to be a quote I can use in my dating apps. Mm-hmm. And for the last week, I've been signing every email instead of saying, "Hey, look forward to hearing with you from you." I've been saying, "Sincerely yours, these mother effing nuts," mm-hmm. and it hasn't gone very well for me. I would highly recommend you change that too. Dear so-and-so, I'm creeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping. 